Hello and welcome back to the 4th and Forever podcast. Uh, my name is Stuart Bothell, his name is Darren Butter. If you can uh, stop laughing for a minute about my intro from the previous... Was it last week or was it the week before? I thought the week before was a blur. Oh, it was the blur one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really know. Uh, For the one you did about leaps and tallies and... I, 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 yeah, my, my dad had a go at me for how terrible my um, my my Doric was supposed to be, but it it, it was intentionally shout. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard. Oops. Oh, oh no, they're not intentionally terrible. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, well, they're they're terrible, but they're not as terrible as the Bengals, which we will also get onto mm, later on. Yeah. We don't want to spoil it for too long. Um, games were four days ago, that's fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, darn, right? Hey. Yeah, we need, to, we need to up our game. No, no, like, basically, um, for, for the listeners out there, we're, we're try, we try to get these out uh, as consistently as possible, and it's, at the moment, that really only works for both of us if we record uh, at a time which is a little bit after the games are, are finished. So it's not immediately after like we'd previously wanted to. Um, but in the future, we might get to change that, just depending on situations and stuff. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, back to the present, or the very recent past. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, I think we should just get fired on it, these games today. And Darren, you, you cool with that? Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, So I think that the like a really good place to start with this week would be Monday Night Football, because it was a real cracker. Proper classic, the Seattle Seahawks coming out on top in overtime against the 49ers, the previously undefeated 49ers, 27-24. So, yeah, it was, uh, like, started off, like, really quite close and, like, nippy uh, before things really opened up in the the second half for the Seahawks getting themselves back into it. Um, Yeah, what did you like in this one? Because there was plenty to like. I like the defences. Mm. I like Salah. Yeah. He's, he's an intense man. Very intense. And he gets, he and gets fired up when that San Francisco defence does well. head coach of the Titans, Rabel. Mm. Um, just all about the players, jumping in in the huddles, jumping in. If they could have a turnover chain, like one of these like, dirty, <laughs> massive chains, the 49ers feel like that kind of team. Mm-hmm. They feel very much like, you know, the... Miami University convicts like night late nineties kind of vibe to them and it's just entertaining. Like there was double fumbles in this game. There's so many fumbles. Double fumble. That's that's intense. That's ball hawking to the extreme and it was just it was entertaining. Um I don't know if it's an an MVP making game, which some people seem to be making out for Russell Wilson. No, it was probably his worst game of the season, to be fair. But um, he also showed flashes of why he's the, the leader in the MVP race right now. He made some some silly plays in order to keep, keep keep himself alive, which is just what he's been doing, not just all season, but for his entire career. And he's just going down there. He's finding likes of DK Metcalf. He found Josh Gordon on a pivotal um, conversion in the uh, fourth quarter to uh, get them into position to tie the game and um yeah like it, it was far from perfect and uh wilson did enough to get him back into it but yeah like i say far from perfect chris carson was uh having some problems in this game as well like you say fumbles i think it was seven turnovers in this game so that's 
There's two two interceptions, uh, one on each side, but then five fumbles all over the place. Crazy, mental, chaos, yeah. beautiful. And you know, former number one pick, doing the business. You know, who'd have thought it? Not the Texans. <laughs> well, maybe they thought it, but you know, not enough to pay him. But now with J.J. Watt being down and out for the season, maybe they kind of wish that they just... It seemed like it was yeah. always going to happen. Maybe they should just trade Watt. You yeah, probably, so probably have got more for Watt. So Davian Clowney obviously comes over from the Texans for two linebackers that don't play. Yeah. <laughs> including Bartavius Mingo mm-hmm. and a third-round pick. And apparently after this game, it was kind of leaked or revealed by someone who was having a bit of a huff that the Texans had paid half of Clowney's <laughs> salary. <laughs> like another seven, make, seven million dollars to make him go away. To make him go away. And he... Well, he's gone away, all right. He has. And he's shown up in big fashion uh, against the 49ers. Uh, he was just terrorising them in the backfield there, getting involved in the sacks, took a fumble back to the house to to really get Seattle back into that game. Just really, really swung on that. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, DeForest Buckner was looking really good from from start to finish. But I mean, the like certainly in the first half in particular, San Francisco were looking pretty dominant. But then I suppose both defenses were. But it's this it's the second half where it really came alive, because Seattle had the fourteen nothing third quarter, and then San Francisco put up fourteen points of their own to. Force the force the game into overtime, um, and they they did that without George Kittle and also without Emmanuel Sanders on the field for a lot of the time. Yeah, Sanders was a big loss. Mm-hmm. But I have to remember that Tyler Lockett went out with a calf strain, dehydration thing. Or yeah, he had to go to strange. hospital. He had to go to hospital. So um, they both had things to overcome in this game, and I think both of them did pretty well to take it to overtime. Yeah. Um, one thing I found quite interesting, and this isn't my take, it was. Um, Chris Longs, but they played Shaquem Griffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got some a, game time. As a pass rusher. It's like probably the first on, time since his like last on, season. <laughs> on the opposite side of Clowney. And having him there meant that they couldn't double-team Clowney as much because Shaquem Griffin was breaking the line. He wasn't getting the pressures. He had no quarterback pressures in this game. But he was doing enough that they had to look after they him. They had to account for it. And that allowed Clowney to get get free and do what he does, which I think is great. It's great to see Shaquem Griffin play. Yeah. And you play, because he was a linebacker. He wasn't playing as a pass rushing linebacker. He was playing as a kind of coverage linebacker. He's only got one hand. So in the yeah. NFL, they're like, no, I can't really play this. So they've obviously been teaching him to play as an, an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And they kind of released him in this game and Clowney goes off on the other side. and Yeah. It's pretty good. Certainly forced some issues. Um, on the on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Jacob Hollister came up big at tight end again on on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, like I never thought at the start <laughs> of the season I'd be talking about him. a guy who was on the practice squad for the Patriots and got released. But yeah, he was looking good. And um, I think it just it's worth pointing out that this is Seattle's second overtime win in two weeks. Like they are uh, pulling it out where it counts. It is certainly a very interesting team. And an interesting team to be a fan of. It's just it's just a really really fun team to watch this season, and it's not something that we really predicted at the start of the year. Yeah, they seemed really run heavy and 
I, I kind of thought at the start of the season that DK Metcalf was going to be en- entertaining and it was going to be interesting to see him and him and Wilson create a partnership. But it did seem a bit dense. You know, they had like three running backs mm-hmm. and no only two wide receivers. They didn't seem like they were going to be able to do much with David Moore as like the second choice wide receiver behind Lockett. Yeah, and they just they didn't seem like they were there, and they had still had a Feddy as a as a left tackle. Mm. It still seemed like they were a bit off. And like you look at them now, Hollister, Metcalf, Gordon, Lockett, Carson. This is a good team. This team, as strong as they can protect Wilson just enough, mm-hmm. they they're going to win games, and they've won eight out of of ten. Wouldn't think we said we were talking last week about Ogunwale and his mm-hmm. his um. Stats well, Darryl Josh Wallen. Gordon, you know, yep, two receptions from two targets for two first down, one with like two minutes to go, mm-hmm. and the other in overtime. Critical, can't ask for much more. And I think it was the only two times he was in the game, yeah, because you like you see it and you just hear Booger McFarlane go, It's going to Josh Gordon, yeah, he did. It was really, it's like, wow, Booger McFarlane actually called a play before it happened there. He's like, on offense, who does he think he is, Tony Romo? Um, but yeah, Josh Gordon, uh, not not a biggest contribution, but he's only been with the team for nine days, so surely he's going to see that he's role been expand. For seven of them. Yes. So wait and see what happens, um, especially if this injury to Tyrell Lockett ends up being more severe than has been let on, because it certainly sounded a bit scary. Um, we'll we'll wrap this up this one up really quickly, but we'll just say that. Um, 49ers probably still don't have much to worry about. Some people were still kind of really closely analysing Jimmy Garoppolo in this game. I don't think that's fair, especially missing George Kittle, uh, missing Emmanuel Sanders for most of the game. Um, he, he got his two tackles back in uh, in this game after they'd been out injured for a while, and they, they weren't exactly fantastic, hence the, not... hence the stat line of the sacks and stuff, but they're, they're, I wonder, like... they're still doing just fine. But this is a hell of a division to be watching. Yeah. Joe, Joe Staley, obviously, pro baller, Central Hall of Fame kind of player, they need to bring him back in. He's only this is his first game back. Like mm-hmm. there's not cohesion. Yeah. So they might have been better for a Monday night game against a division rival to maybe keep it the way it was and just bring him back a bit slower. But they chose to to bring him in and maybe it did create a few holes getting him back up to speed. But they were in the game right until the end and. Have to feel for Chris McLaughlin. He was free for free on his like debut. Oh boy! And then he misses that one, but he punches it as well. It wasn't even like he missed it; he completely scuffed it. Yeah, San Francisco in overtime, uh, get the ball back. Uh, Chase McLaughlin, who was on the street until recently, um, with with their like with Robbie Goulden still kicking for the Forty ers but he's been out injured recently. So Gould's been training McLaughlin. McLaughlin doing very well through the course of the game, and then shanks this one so badly it not only misses the goal it not only misses the kicking net it goes down the tunnel <laughs> some guy in the tunnel <laughs> it's some guy it's like that was really unfortunate uh, and then Seattle get the ball back get an opportunity to go down the field and Jason Myers does not miss from 42 yards out well, he missed before yeah but no he doesn't miss on this particular occasion one, yeah. <laughs> it was the other way yeah so uh, Seattle Seahawks go to eight and two, and the San Francisco 49ers drop to eight and one. The last of the undefeated teams now defeated, and then there were none. So moving on from there, uh, we'll pick up at the Thursday night game, which seems like forever ago now, when the Los Angeles Chargers were beaten twenty four twenty six by the Oakland Raiders. So um, 
Yeah, uh, I, I watched a bit of this one um, on well, Friday hour time, and Oakland seemed in control, and then Chargers sort of eat their way back in. Chargers should have had it on a bunch of occasions, but Philip Rivers just kept throwing the ball away. Just couldn't get out of his own way. That reminds me of the Pittsburgh game a few weeks ago. <laughs> For some reason, just couldn't help but just throw it straight at Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um, what's more surprising? The Rangers being quite good or the Chargers being quite terrible? Good question. Because um, this is division. This is your division. It is indeed. So you should know more about these teams than me. I think... A lot of people had the Chargers pegged because of their um, like their the, the talent on their roster. Then they lost Derwin James, uh, their high flying safety, which was a, a big big loss. But the people that they've had around there just haven't really quite gelled. But like I, I'm seeing Rivers really begin to fall off a bit. Like he's getting the yards, but he's not making the right decisions. And I I also don't think that they're using Austin Eckler nearly enough. Like, I, I think Eckler is a better weapon than Melvin Gordon, and I can see Gordon being uh, moved on at the end of the season. He's not. Like, I don't think he'll be back. Um, but I think that people really thought the Raiders were going to suck hard this year. So really difficult. But I think I think the Raiders are probably the bigger surprise uh, because the Chargers always charger. They always find a way to fail uh, and like if expectations are middling then they might exceed them hmm. and then completely blow up in the playoffs uh, whereas this time they had high expectations given their roster people said they might have the strongest roster in the NFL apart from their offensive line but offensive line is really really important with the Raiders people looked at them and just went oh, they don't have anything do they have any wide receivers? no they have a good tight end? No. They have anything? But then throughout the course of the year, Darren Waller has been a massive revelation for them. Uh, Derek Carr is having one of the best seasons of his career. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been fantastic at, at running back. Um, their, their, their defense is beginning to gel a bit as well. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland Fowler hasn't been great yet. Um, but... Yeah, like to, to hear Whitehead's been like he's decent there at the moment. Um, actually, Farrell had his best game by far in this one. He had two and a half sacks and five tackles. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, I think you really don't want to say too much about the Raiders. Yeah, I, I yeah, but um, yeah, like this was. I mean, I think for the longest time the Raiders have always been the team that I've hated the most in this yeah. division but then because they've been so crap for the last 15 years or so probably more they've not really been a threat and I've enjoy- I enjoyed watching them beat the Chargers in this one that's my mindset in this way um, yeah yeah. it's I, I do find it quite interesting because the, the players that picked up um, at wide receiver mm-hmm. you know Terrell Williams Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Um, Isaiah Avery or Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, their players are DeAndre Washington. They're players that have played in a certain system. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sneaky, but that kind of system is very similar to like the Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of their wide receivers actually were Texas Tech players. And then Josh Gordon seems to... Uh, Josh Gordon. John Gruden mm-hmm. seems to have built 
this team that can kind of spread and go one on one and just you know win their battles yeah and as long as Derek Carr puts it in the vicinity mm-hmm. they seem to be winning their battles they're competitive yeah. which is far more than anyone expected and Carr was spreading it around in this one there was several players with multiple receptions um, like he didn't have a, a ton of throws but he was moving it around a lot but again Josh Jacobs just some hard running in this one um, but this game was really handed to them by the Chargers. Uh, Philip Rivers having three interceptions, including, I think, two uh, down on the goal line, essentially, uh, which just allowed the Raiders to like keep themselves in it and ultimately do what they needed to do to get the win. Well, mate, this is the hottest of takes. Oh, okay, I'm ready. But if Philip Rivers is on the decline, mm-hmm. or the decline, as they'd say in mm-hmm. America, um, they should trade for Josh Rosen. Okay, interesting. Because he's an LA boy. Mm-hmm. There was talk of and, him going to the Chargers. Yeah, and they don't season. have any reason for anyone in LA to like them. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can, if Rivers does fall off and they need to go to a starter, I don't think anyone knows if Josh Rosen's good or not yet. And he's an LA boy. He went to UCLA just down the road. I think he'd be popular. He'd be popular. He'd probably get people through the gates. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my take. Yeah, no, I, I see, I see it's that. It's more from a GM point of view and an ownership point of view than a maybe a football coach point of view, but mm-hmm. they need to do something. I just don't think Philip Rivers is LA. I don't yeah, think... he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be there, no. really. Well, he's got eight kids in San Diego. He drives yeah. up and down every day. It's like... Which is crazy. I mean, I wonder what's going to happen when they move to London. apparently that's never fucking happening (laughs) and that's a quote yeah absolutely so we're allowed to say if we quote I mean we're allowed to say say it whenever we want but you know we just you know try to keep it family friendly ish yes okay moving on now we can say fuck whatever we want Um, so yeah uh, Chargers lose that one 24-26 and the Raiders are one game back from the Chiefs now how did that happen at this stage of the season Incredible. Are we into that game, or what game are we getting into? Uh, the next one that we were getting into on my list here was the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. So I don't think we need to spend too long on this one because Bengals are crap. Yes, they really, really are. Uh, Ryan Finley got his first start in this one, uh, threw his first touchdown, yay! But by that point, they were already, I think, twenty-five points down. Um, the Ravens just went all over them in this game. Uh, they they didn't like they they, they they could have easily put up 50, 60 points in this one stopped at 49 didn't bother much in the fourth quarter RG3 got a run out um, I think at one point you mentioned it was a full on Heisman backfield because you had Lamar Jackson Heisman winner Mark Ingram Heisman winner and Robert Griffin III Heisman winner pretty cool nifty yeah. and they'd run a trick play yeah, nice little trick. I don't play. think it worked, but that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, like I say, I don't think we need to dwell too long on this one because the Bengals were just really poor. Ryan Finlay, about as mediocre as you can get there, but his receivers weren't really doing much for him anyway. Um, Joe Mixon got over a hundred yards. Well done. That's it. That's all, all I really have to say in that. They, they just, yeah, pretty shocking. But let's get over and talk about the Ravens and, of course, our golden boy, Lamar Jackson. Um, only two incompletions in this game. He went 15 of 17 for 223 yards, three scores through the air, and one beautiful touchdown run where he runs about 40 yards, jukes one guy 
to break his neck. Spin moves. And then press B. Yeah, yeah, and then just completely spin (laughs) moves around like three guys. And he doesn't seem to stop any forward momentum. He's just always running at full speed. It was absolutely glorious. Um, One of the plays of the week, at least it would be if he wasn't playing against the practice squad that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean, you, you said when we were watching this one, do we put this down to the Ravens being really good or just how bad the Bengals are? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. You've got to just give it to the Ravens and say they beat who was out in front of them. Uh, they did it uh, very, very handily. This could have been a trap game after the uh, the win against New England the other week. So they went in here, they did the business and got out with the win. Yeah, I'm, I still think this... Bengals seems going to be a trap game for the Browns <laughs> but yeah the Ravens did what they needed to do they were very professional could have run up the score a bit started really milking the clock mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it proves anything uh, obviously the Ravens what their game last week kind of proved everything they needed to prove in the AFC anyway and they just got to keep winning games put themselves in the best opportunity to get a home playoff game mm-hmm. and can't do much more than putting up near enough 50 points in three quarters. Yeah. It does also help when you have uh, Marcus Peters back there um, just being a dynamic playmaker. I mean, like, he's always been that guy who has that potential, but he's also the one who's going to give up big plays. He's going to have mental errors and stuff. But again, in this one, for like, what is it, the second or third time since he's been traded to the Ravens, he scores a touchdown. Uh, on this occasion on interception. Um and this was his uh, 26th pick since entering the league in 2015. That's quite crazy. That's, I think yeah, that's he's, a lot. Because he's the kind of player that, because he has those mental errors, people think they can throw with him. Mm. You know the crazy stat where it was like Sherman, you put Sherman on one side, they'd only throw the ball that way two times in the whole game. Yeah, because they know that he is locked down. Yeah, so Sherman wouldn't get interceptions, but yep. he'd, because he wouldn't follow a player, mm-hmm. they would never be able to throw right. Peters is kind of like that, where I think people think they can keep throwing at him because he does make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But enough times... He has the ability to recover and to, he'll go for it. To He can do what he does. And I think his last ever play for the Chiefs was an interception. He got polaxed when he did it. <laughs> yeah. He got stretched off. Mm-hmm. And he was really lucky to be able to be oh. traded. Oh, no, that, that was uh, the Rams, I mean. Because he was Chiefs, yeah. then Rams. You said, you said oh, Chiefs. against the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, that was that game. 49-13 to the Ravens. Anything more to add, or can we move on from the Bengals? No, I don't think no. Lamar's MVP, but I'm not getting into that right now. Not MVP, but certainly one of the more exciting quarterbacks to watch. I'm I'm like yeah. fully on board with watching him at any point I can now, especially if he's beating the Patriots. Uh, so, moving on from there, and we'll head to Cleveland and your Browns. Pulled one out the bag, just yeah. by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, I said this to you while you were watching Hearts, obviously I watched pretty much the whole game for my sins. Um, <laughs> the They did more. Um, I did say, you know, we can't play, they can't play, we. <laughs> the Browns cannot play empty gun at all. They don't have the offensive line for it. And I think in the one time they went to empty gun in the, at third down, in the highlights, they got absolutely slammed and mm-hmm. put back about 10 yards. It's 
and empty gun in the back of their own end zone and then safety yeah so of course it's because you're going to get rushers in that scenario stupid didn't like that at all no they need a they need the safety net of the running back being able to block but going into the second half and i think we'll start to see more of this and it's going to be exciting considering how easy some of their scheduling is after from now but that that back of having Hunt on the right, Chubb on the left, mm. and Landry just in front of them is like a fullback. Landry was fired up in this one. Yeah, I think they were they were jawing at him in the first five minutes, and they really made them pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what Cleveland, I think, this kind of game is the game that they would have lost two years ago, obviously, but they would have lost it sixteen fifteen, mm. and it would have been terrible. But they've got the talent now where they can win games like this because they just need one or two plays. <laughs> or six or seven in the uh, uh, Yeah, six or seven on the goal line. The Browns were absolutely shocking within five yards of the goal line. Uh, I think, how, how many attempts was it on the goal line? About they had eight? seven in a row or eight in a row without getting in. It's just it's pitiful. And uh, again, they had problems with pitching it short. There was a, a little um, like sh- like pop play uh, from wide receiver uh, or running back running across the front of Baker, Baker Mayfield who pops up and just goes right through his it arms. Kareem Hunt. It was Kareem Hunt. And he shouldn't have been playing like a timing play to a guy who hasn't played in two years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it was not ideal. Um, <laughs> and But they, they, they keep doing this. Uh, luckily enough, it was not ruled a fumble. It was ruled as an incomplete pass because it was going forward. But it's It just... was actually because he had control of it. It wasn't even going forward because he kind of lobbed it into the ether. It was like, exactly where it was when he let it go mm-hmm. it was the fact that he meant to do it yeah it meant it wasn't a fumble okay. because technically it never went forward it mm. went up i thought it just went through kareem hunts he did he kind of ran over it yeah, yeah whoop um so yeah but um when it comes down to it the browns managed to win this one i mean d- despite the fact that um on the first uh, touchdown reception jarvis landry got caught for jawing and so they ended up being a 48 yard extra point uh, which Siebert missed. Which was uh, his first miss of any kick all season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not ideal. Um, put them in a bit of a situation there. Um, but at, at the end of it all, Baker Mayfield, first quarterback to throw two-plus touchdowns against the Bills this season. So he, he did what he needed to do in that regard. And that, and that last um, touchdown drive that the Browns got was, was excellent. It was mm. maybe a little bit too quick and a, f- a bit too efficient. They left too much time for... Um, the Bills to get up the other end, but there was a very clutch Landry catch where mm-hmm. he shifted without even looking at the ball. I don't know how he did it, but he, he caught it over his right shoulder because he would have gone out of bounds on his left. And it mm-hmm. was as he was falling, it's amazing. It was really good. And then when they got into the red zone the final time, they didn't run it. They <laughs> they actually they loaded the left side of the field. They had Landry, Hunt, um. Beckham, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was like Harris yeah. on the left. And Rashard Higgins on the And then they dummied own. to Chubb and just lobbed it into the air for Higgins, who was being like marked one-on-one. Um, it's going to be huge for the Browns having um, Higgins and Hunt back mm-hmm. in the team because Hilliard wasn't doing it. Yeah, big addition. And in the end, the Bills, you know, they come to a place like... Cleveland's schedule, I've said it like three times, Cleveland's schedule this season has been weird. That's only their second home game. Is um, it? <laughs> Sheesh. Something like that. Like, they've played no divisional games, and 
Um, their crowd were fired up and Baker was fired up and Kitchens and Baker seemed to have a good rapport and the Bills just do what the Bills do. They keep the game close, they defend well. And I people were like, oh, the Bills are out of it, they lost to the Browns. I actually think the Bills went like nine plays in a row without giving up a red zone point. Yeah, that, that Bills defense is definitely it's still, still for solid. Real. And They're if they go up against the good. Ravens or you know and they will go they do play the Ravens. They give that they give that offense an opportunity. Whether or not that offense takes it or not <laughs> is very hit or miss, especially with Josh Allen back there, who was, again, the picture of inconsistency. Had a couple of really scary runs. But he's just not putting it all together. CBS this week had several kisses of death, which were just outstanding. <laughs> the best one was Hauschka when they put up that he was the most consistent field goal kicker in Bill's history. And they would like, hit... <laughs> Um, game-winning field goals like five times in a row mm-hmm. and then he shanked it wide and <laughs> the curse of the commentator is so real it, yeah. it happens all the time and uh, in, in this case like you say Stephen Hauschka uh, was down there with the opportunity to tie the game in the last um, like 20 or so seconds and just pulls it it's a 53 yarder he hasn't got that much of a leg left on him yeah that's right. Browns three and six. Buffalo six and three. Buffalo still have a great chance to make the playoffs because they play in a division that's absolutely terrible, and they still have to play Pittsburgh. And you have to play, play Pitt- Pittsburgh twice, the Dolphins, the Bengals twice, and the Ravens, At home. who you've already beaten. So Away. that's tough. Like I, I reckon that this Steelers game coming up on Thursday Night Football is the most important game of the season now. It's like, you start winning here or you've dug yourself too big a hole. It's like my fantasy team. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fantasy teams are exactly the same situation. Because, like, and also, sorry, Cardinals as well is in there. So, there's there's a perfectly reasonable chance that you could win one, two, three, four, five, at least six of your last seven games. And if you do that, you're possibly, highly likely, going to be in the playoffs. Well, if you think about the run defense that the Browns have and what they did to Lamar away, mm-hmm. where Sheldon Richardson, Vernon, Schulbert, um, oh my God, guy from Arizona State. Which player, where? The safety. Demarius Randall. Ah, yes, Demarius Randall. Okay, got you. Yeah. They have a great run defense. They've been a bit loose on third down pass. Defense that seems to be where they're losing it. They're not getting the yeah. quarterback quick enough. They're giving them too much time. They had lots of injuries at corner, but that run defense has already gone toe to toe with the Ravens. So they keep themselves in it. I don't think this season isn't it. I, I feel like it isn't it, but it's far from over. Yeah, they can still go five games undefeated if they win on Friday or Thursday night. Yes, very important game. Uh, okay, but we've spent enough time on that rubbish. Um, uh, also, just actually, I kind of feel as if we didn't talk enough about Buffalo there. Um, They're good. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. Josh Allen got two rushing scores in this one as well, but like I say, his passing is still very, very average, about 50% uh, completion percentage in this one. And we're not seeing enough of Devin Singletary yet, in my opinion. And we will go on from there to the Detroit Lions versus the Chicago Bears. And the Bears managed to pull one out in this game. They actually won a game. 
but it was against quarterback who didn't know he was going to play until about 20 minutes before the game yeah the Matt Staffordless Detroit Lions had uh, Jeff Driscoll yeah Jeff Jeff Driscoll in there um, 27-46 269 one score and one pick and they don't have a running back either uh, Ty Johnson was injured in this one uh, they've got to sign JHI if they've worked him and he's fit yeah, it just makes sense. Like someone like him, especially if the other boy's gone out. Mm-hmm. Johnson's gone out injured. Um, the other Johnson, Ty, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's gone out injured as well. So, no, they need to do something. Yeah. Um, I was intrigued, and it has one of those like kind of Steve Lovell at Aberdeen kind of things <laughs> where it's like, oh, Matt Stafford's not playing today, and everyone's like, oh, did he? He's pulled a hamstring. Oh, is he all right? It's like no, he's fractured a bone in his back. That sounds to me like he's tripped over his kid's toys, mm. fallen through a table. Well, I was hearing apparently it was an injury which was essentially sustained last season, but he's managed to get this far through a season now, and now it's bothering him. Uh, I, I I don't know. There's a lot of mystery and intrigue surrounding this uh, this back injury. Yeah, it's but... just how like random it seems to be. Because you think you're meant to, as a team, you're meant to tell the NFL when people are injured because it affects gambling and mm-hmm. and lines and all this stuff. And, well, they just not tell anyone that he's got a fracture back for <laughs> a year. I don't know. I mean, he's been playing lights out this season. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the most part. Um, but, yeah, not in this one. Uh on the opposite side of the spectrum, Mitchell Trubisky has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this season. And he comes out there, throws three scores, wins a football game. He didn't do much else. But he, again, and I think I should probably get this in a t-shirt, but he did what he needed to do. Certainly didn't do enough to convince me that he's any good. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he was there. <laughs> Trubisky's stat line, or at least on passing, kind of reads... A bit like Lamar Jackson, where it's like, you know, oh, he's only thrown it 23 times, but he's completed like 16, 20 times. He's got three touchdowns. The missing bit is the rushing. He's doing nothing. Yeah, that that was the difference for him last season. At this point, he probably had about three or 400 yards. Yeah. But in this, he's just not, not doing anything. And um, like I think we, we, we might have had this discussion where we said a little while ago that the Bears have some decent wide receivers, but they're just not using them. My no, Alan Robertson's pick. good. Yeah, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton. Just, just not utilizing them enough. Um, and he's not thrown for over three hundred yards in 13, 12, 12 consecutive starts, I think. So to you, thirteen. Sorry, this question's been asked a lot in the mm. last couple of days, but okay. with. The Bears being what they are this season, and the Raiders being what they are this season, mm-hmm. and more specifically the pick that the Raiders picked up being the favourite for offensive player of the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Who won the trade? The Raiders or the Bears? I think that they can both be very happy with it because Khalil Mack's still great, but that that defense around him is kind of it's not performing to the same standard. It's I not think as the other lad getting injured has made a big difference. They had a one of their defensive tackles is out. A few of them, yeah. Um, and, and that seems to have made a huge difference. The, the Fridge 2.0. Yeah, well, they, they can't do things like completely by themselves. Um, 
and like Roquan Smith hasn't been totally great back there. Um, they, yeah, yeah, again, they've been okay. Oh, by the way, Danny Trevathan, Danny Trevathan, uh, the linebacker for the the Bears, suffered a really, really gruesome elbow injury in this one. Um, he's not, had a few of those injuries. He's right? had a few nasty injuries, but this one was uh, up there with the worst of them. Um, yeah, not for the squeamish. Um, so Mac, Eddie, Mac was for the most part held in check in this game. I haven't heard much from Eddie Jackson or Kyle Fuller this season. No, and and that makes a huge difference, right? Um, and Goldman as well. Players that were playing well last season aren't playing at the level they were, and that might be because they don't have the same coordinator. Yeah, how much of that system. is down to the Fangio effect? Yeah, he's just starting to make waves in Denver now with that that defense that's now ranked in the top five in the league. Um, obviously they were enjoying a, a bye week this week. Time on the field. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, other than that, other other things from this game. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, Kenny Galladay is still continuing to be a high point for um, for the Lions. Um, so they're gone though. Both these teams are gone. I would the say Packers so. The Packers and the Vikings yeah. are like three games ahead of them now. Yeah, they're 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 streaking ahead of these teams. They're not going anywhere, unfortunately, for them. Um, but. Like I say, there's there's highlights. There's probably more highlights for the Lions at the moment than there is for the Bears. I would say, it's like the Kenny Galladay. He's making a leap. Marvin Jones is still being spectacular. And um, so in the quarterback roulette, which which player is going to be starting for the Bears next season? Ooh. Tannehill, Newton, or Mariota? <laughs> oh, interesting. This is the kind of move the Bears make, though. They never seem to like to actually. Well, they've just screwed one up. But is Tannehill on to... a one-year deal at Tennessee, or is he two years? No, one year seven. One year he seven. He's the nine. other end of the deal that he already had. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Get traded. Interesting. Like I do think that Chicago should go for one of those guys. I reckon Tannehill would probably be the safer bet because do you have to actually play him though yeah. instead of doing what they did with the. Uh, the ginger one. Hmm. But Newton, like, he has to be able to play. And, like, he might just take some time out. Who really knows? Anyway, I don't think we should spend too much more time on this one. No, okay, bye. Okay, bye. Uh, Bears win 2013 and go to 4-5 and five to stop the rot ever so slightly. Uh, speaking of rotting things, oh, uh, the Giants versus Jets. Two teams... Well down in the doldrums, um, having some serious problems in the dumpster bowl here. Uh, but the, the Jets come out on top, 34-27 in this one. Uh, there was some, some offense in this one, primarily because there was no defense. There was no defense. Uh, that being said, um, the Jets' defense, or should I just say Jamal Adams, lights out. Um, just a f- fantastic display. Uh, two forced fumbles, one recovered, where he basically just ran into Daniel Jones, just said, "Oh, like that's that's mine, I think," and just just takes it and just keeps running. He's gone before we even know what's happening. Saving uh, Daniel Jones and like kind of kid who's dropped an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so disappointed. Yeah, so disappointed. Just like Eli Manning always looks as well. So he's perfect. He's perfect for them. Uh, so you got two sacks uh, in this game as well. Um, eight tackles. He was just all over the place, uh, like, like passes defended all over the place too. Um, I think the, an, an interesting stat line we had from this one was the average yards per carry for Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold. Um, I think at one point it was below one yard per carry for for both of them. I mean Saquon. Yeah, Saquon Barkley. Who did I say? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, Saquon Barkley ended up having 13 carries 
for one yard. Well, it's because they just kept red zone running him in, straight into the wall. It's kind of similar to what the Browns were doing with Nick Chubb. I thought no the... like design. <laughs> I just I couldn't fathom this. I thought they they genuinely just messed up the stats and said like, oh no, he must have just got one touchdown and he had like a hundred yards. Like, nope, averaged like uh, <laughs> just a really measly amount per carry. This is where I get confused though in like play calling and that because he had five receptions off five targets for thirty yards. Like he, I have a feeling that the Jets just squeezed the box. And Daniel Jones could throw it whenever he wanted to do it, so that's all they did. Yep. And they didn't need to throw it. And and to be honest, most of the sick ones' carries were in the red zone, mm-hmm. and they didn't go anywhere because yeah. the Jets had quite a good running defense in this game. Yeah, they really, 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 really stuffed them. Held really them to under thirty try. yards. It was like fourteen carries between Barkley and Goldman. Yeah, like basically they were putting it in the hands of Daniel Jones, and he was finding some success. I mean, he needs to cut out those fumbles. Because that's what cost them the game. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Darius Slayton is someone he's clearly loving because he got 14 targets, 10 receptions, 121 yards and two scores. And Golden Tate was Who? also... Exactly. <laughs> I think was he an undrafted rookie as well? And uh, Golden Tate's return is already um, bringing dividends here for like 95 yards on four catches, including a big one. And another, another two scores, so four touchdowns from Daniel Jones in this one, but he still didn't have that good a game. Yeah, I was like watching it going, Slayton, Slayton, I know Slayton. He played for Auburn. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's all coming back to you now. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the ball, um, Sam Darnold started things off with a rushing touchdown on their first possession. They seem to be really good on their first possession, but uh, obviously <laughs> that didn't the really... Yes, the other problems they have there... Uh, and then he got another score through the air. Uh, Le'Veon Bell punched in one from short yardage, uh, but that was that Jamal Adams um, like strip sack return for a touchdown that was the the real game changer in this one for me. So, Duke of the Week, would Ooh. you give it to Jameson Crowder for his like little <laughs> goose step on like three giants to walk into the end zone, or would you give it? Con- considering that both of defenses hmm. are terrible, would you give it to Lamar? Uh, do I give it to Lamar, who managed to uh, spin move round three toddlers, or do I give it to the guy Jameson Crowder, who stepped who, free, just like teenagers? It, yeah, <laughs> but like it was all just, it was all guys who just didn't even bother changing direction. Uh, no, nah, like I would still give it to Lamar just because of the intensity of it. Um, it was such a like nice movement from Crowder. It kind of shows that he's their one pro baller and. You know, it's like I won't go as far as Pro Bowl, but yeah, but he's, he's their one he's good. like you know weapon. Good, Bobby good acquisition. Been really disappointing. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't tell if that's Darnold's fault or Anderson's fault. But. I think a bit of both. I think he's um he he's, he had some problems in the off season. He's had some suspensions and injuries throughout the course of his his time there. Uh, there was talk about them moving on from him, but he's he's stuck around. Uh, but if he's going to cost them money, I don't see them keeping him. Uh, Demarius Thomas had uh, 84 yards on six catches in this one yeah, as well. Mostly in that first drive. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good good for him. I'm glad to see that DT's still doing something there. Okay, so Jets win 34-27. They improved to 2-7. and seven. Giants dropped to 2-8. and eight. Can we move on? <laughs> I mean, for that attitude, I kind of want to stay on it for a little bit longer. Um, but no, I think you're about there. Um, one thing I will say is that Le'Veon Bell 
has never really hit its stride with the Jets. So do we just put it down and say like oh, as good as Le'Veon Bell is, no, he Gase, needs an offensive line. Gase never wanted him, so so he's just <laughs> scheming him into walls. Yeah. <laughs> have you met? Have you seen this? Have man? you seen Adam Gase? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. It's <laughs> a chance that he's given up, and he's just. I, I'm pretty sure things. Adam Gase is the Zodiac killer as well, to be honest. <laughs> Where was he when those were happening? Like, he was like five, but yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like my story. <laughs> the, um, the revolving door stuff with, I don't know what difference, like some of the players like CJ Mosley. They're, they're missing players like, like that. CJ Mo- when that first game of the season, CJ Mosley playing, that defense is pretty strong. Like The Jets had a bit of excitement around them. They had all these new weapons, yeah. new kits. There was so much, and then Sam Darnold getting mono didn't help. It just seemed that the the free agent acquisitions weren't working out for them. Uh, If there was a god, he didn't want this franchise to do well this season. Um, Maybe this will help them build better for next year. Um, I'm not sure how they are for their first round picks over the next little while. But um, yeah, they, they need to do a bit of building, especially on that offensive line. I agree. With, defense. I agree with Jamal Adams though. You have to keep Jamal Adams. Oh yeah. You cannot let him. He's play. no Patrick Mahomes, like he thinks he is, <laughs> but he's good. There's no Minka Fitzpatrick. No, no so. Minka Fitzpatrick is having an excellent season since being traded, and um, we'll maybe we get on to another game. We'll move on to uh, an, an excellent game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the return of the aforementioned Patrick Mahomes, being beaten by the Tennessee Titans. Yes, and uh, what a game it was. 32-35 uh, in favour of the Titans with what was borderline walk-off TD with 23 seconds left to Adam Humphreys, who had not had a single catch throughout the course of this game. The season. Had he had, well, pretty much since his big money <laughs> move from, um, from from Tampa Bay. Mike Vrabel uh, doesn't know how to play these white boy receivers. He has to get on the phone with Bill <laughs> Belichick and ask him how to use them. So, so it if seems... If Bill Belichick will speak to him, because he kind of stole Adam Humphreys <laughs> yeah. from him. Um, yeah, it's okay. I'm sure he'll be off the Christmas card list. But um, like I say, return of Patrick Mahomes, he was pretty sharp in this one. Um, uh, like there was one play which I like had to had to stop and look at a couple of times, and that was I think it was in the third or no, it was maybe in the fourth quarter, um, where Mahomes is being flushed out the pocket. There's players all around him. He has to step up through this corridor of players, and he's just coming right to the end where he's about to get whacked. And he, he has the presence of mind and the awareness around him to leap up in the air and then throw a pass 20, 25 yards down the field uh, to, to Michael Hardman, who then ran it in for a touchdown. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. Like There's just not a guy who's playing the game with the, the same presence of mind as uh, Patrick Mahomes is. Like I would have thought maybe the closest thing you'd have is Aaron Rodgers, but at this point well, there's, no one, there's that no one doing that. Shoulder strength to throw mm-hmm. while his feet are off the ground. Mm-hmm. Which seems impossible really. Like how do you get the power? But yeah, not really many players can do it. Um I think mean, I said to you and we were watching some of the highlights of this one together that I I know the Chiefs feel it was a must win, but to me it's like it's a way I would maybe have given Mahomes another week. Because I, I, I do think that in the first quarter, he he looked limpy. He, there was moments in the game where he looked like he had a bit of a limp, like he was a, maybe holding it a little bit. And they were doing okay under Matt Moore. So I don't know if this was the week to bring him back. 
And you just put a bit more tread on those tires for nothing now. Mm. Um, but you know they they can only play what's in front of them. And I would I would disagree. I would say that if Mahomes is fit and healthy, you play him. Um, is he I think healthy though. Well, thirty six completions, four hundred forty six yards and three touchdowns says maybe. Um, but, but like that's, it's up. Like they, they, would, they would not have. They would not have risked him. Matt Moore was never putting up that yards. <laughs> Come on, get, give me a break. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I I was happy with him putting him back in if he thinks he's okay. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Titans they like won this one with the help of a power running game from Derek Henry, who you hate. Uh, One hundred eighty eight yards, two touchdowns, uh, including a big one. Um, and Ryan Tannehill was efficient, uh, 13 of 19, so not much, for 181 and two scores, including the crazy game winner. Um, but I think the, the game really pivoted on a really weird instance in the, it was the fourth quarter, where the Chiefs were uh, lining up for a field goal, ball snapped, seems to be some confusion, and uh, the holder, Dustin Colquitt, just kind of gets up, panics, and just lobs the ball away. He's then done for intentional grounding, which moves them back even further. Uh, And, uh, yeah, it's just just a really weird series of events. I have a feeling that he didn't know that he could be called for intentional grounding. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. um, I I think it was probably a case of once that happened, uh, it was just, like, the intentional grounding probably didn't matter anyway. Because I think that was fourth down, so Tennessee got the ball back. Yeah, but they got the ball ten yards ahead. Do they? I thought he just declined it. Because I think I think is, is intentional grounding loss of down. No. no. Oh no, it is. No. No. Okay. Well, maybe I don't know. But yeah, e- either way, uh, really weird instance where the Chiefs were about to go ahead uh, by three points, um, which would have meant that the Titans had to score a touchdown just to level it, and then Titans marched down the field. And uh, I think it was a maybe about like a fifteen-yard um, like slant from Adam Humphreys. Uh, he just ends up beating one guy, is open, and then bowls his way into the end zone. And then uh, Ryan Tannehill gets the two-point conversion. <laughs> Seemingly, it looked like he was just going to run in untouched. And I remember you saying, "Oh, easy!" And then he gets absolutely smashed, like helmet to helmet hit. But. Um, yeah, makes it into the end zone for the two-point conversion. And, uh, yeah, they win. Yeah. Um, the field goal block, though. Probably play of the game, no matter what Oh, boy, yes. What yes. a play. Sorry, I, I almost forgot about that one. Just this guy <laughs> running across the screen. Yeah, so I somehow forgot Harrison. how the actual game ended. I thought that was how it ended, but no, you're correct. Well... You know, Mahomes gets them into field goal range with a great throw. With 23 seconds left, he manages to get them into field goal range. And then get them a little bit closer, and they have it all lined up. And then Harrison Butker, who's been lights out this year, takes the kick. But then, I love like we love seeing that slow motion. Uh, the defender gets round the corner. Forgive me if I can't remember who it was. And just makes himself as big as possible... And it hits his top hand. Game over. Titans win. Vrabel loves it. Oh, Mike Vrabel, uh, coach of the Titans, and um, like former linebacker for the New England Patriots. Um, 
was all over his guys on the field there. He just he just looked like a player who um, like just happened to not be in pads in that particular game. He loved it. I just want to send commiserations to Mitchell Schwartz. Who, oh, yeah. <laughs> who played 51... So, played for... Um, He's played about 4,000 snaps in a row or something. Played for Berkeley's Golden Bears, um, University of California. He played 51 of 51 games mm-hmm. for them. Came into the NFL and played 112 of 112 games in the NFL. and Hard to do at that position. And today was the first time he went off the field. Yeah. And, and not, he, not not just for like a series or anything like that, but for any snaps. Yeah, he was out for the game, <laughs> um, and then he, the, his backup got injured as well. So to be fair, the Chiefs played this game with, with five healthy offensive linemen for the most part. Yeah, they had no subs, and they were able to keep themselves in it. So they might just look at this one kind of similar to the Packers last week and just be like, oh, we didn't get it. We'll just go home and chance the next team we play. Mm-hmm. Is it Denver? <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, we shall see uh, I don't want to acknowledge that just yet um, moving on um, we will go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Arizona Cardinals another fascinating game one which I was really looking forward to um, this was the game that I um, watched first actually this is the one I watched live because it's just two really quite exciting teams at the moment I mean they're, they're both not winning <laughs> but they're they're throwing the ball up. They're making things happen. They've got some interesting plays. They've got some speedy guys. You've got Mike Evans playing for the Buccaneers, like catching passes from the most volatile quarterback I've ever seen in Jameis Winston. It's um it's it's chaos, but it's fun as hell. And um Kyler Murray is being interesting as well. Um I'm I'm all in on him as well. I think he's an excellent quarterback. Um, I think he's done very well for himself over the course of his first uh, 10 games. Uh, they didn't manage to get the running game going as much in this one, um, primarily because they were like they were behind a little bit early, then they got their way into it, but then Murray kind of found his rhythm and they just kept forcing it. Um, but, yeah, the B- B- Buccaneers just did enough to hang on in this one, really. Um it's just uh, you watched uh, it I'm I know you to tell me what you saw <laughs> I'm trying, you said you actually watched the whole game this was a while ago Darren <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, about what it was that I actually found particularly interesting in this one um, so, it was so exciting there was, <laughs> and then there was I was, was, I was happy once uh, I saw once I saw uh, Zane Gonzalez, who's in my fantasy team, uh, putting up a whole bunch of points. That's it, how it was, you killed it me. It was a yeah. It was a slow starter, to be honest. Um, with in the, the first quarter, it just kind of dragged a little bit. But then there were some some points in the second quarter, and um, uh, Christian Kirk is having a good one now. That was uh, it was uh, three touchdowns in this mm-hmm. one. Um, so this this was his breakout game. Uh, six receptions on ten targets, 138 yards, and three scores. To be honest, it, it looks like um, the Tampa Bay were able to kind of squeeze Arizona out the game a bit. Um, third down efficiency, Arizona mm-hmm. were only ten percent. Tampa Bay were forty six. Time of possession, Arizona twenty three minutes. Tampa Bay thirty six. Mm-hmm. When you think it's only a three minute game, mm. or three three point game, mm-hmm. and then you've got you know. This is why I went and checked that stats because I'm I'm looking at the um, the stats and 
Kyler's going for 44 attempts, but then mm-hmm. they only ran like 60 plays. Like they, you know, they're not, they haven't rushed it as many times as they maybe usually do. They seem like they're always, were they chasing this game? The Cardinals, yeah. yes. Yeah. So they were, they had to move away from what they usually do. And mm-hmm. yeah, Tampa Bay seemed like they were able to squeeze it out, but um, that, third, that fourth down play, the punt, Mm. pitch to the punter to throw it for the completion that was best best play of the game to me it's the only play I think I actually saw this game yeah it was it was a nice one um, on, the, on the opposite side of that uh, David Johnson's fumble in the third quarter was actually the first fumble for the Cardinals this season that's mm. entering week 10 uh, he's I, going out with the sticks and just like, matroning arms yeah uh, so, so that's an interesting statistic. Another one is that the Cardinals have scored 25-plus points in five of their last six games, uh, and they'd only managed to do that once in their previous 15. So I think so it's safe to say this that This team is better than last year's team. Yes. Uh, in terms of progress, uh, Jameis Winston is not still, is still not really doing that. It was another two-interception to one-touchdown game here. But... Um, I'm still just just came out with a win. I I, I don't really know how, because for my money, I thought the Cardinals were probably slightly better in this game. But yeah, I guess just um, just ground it out. Just a bit of experience, and yeah, they've been they're just yep. able to keep the keep the game going. Yep, converted uh, on on the, on the downs that they needed to, and when they got into the uh, the red zone, they managed to to score touchdowns. So. They did what they need to do. Also, our boy Shaquille Barrett, yet another sack, um, which means that he has now surpassed Simeon Rice uh, for the most sacks through the first nine games of a season in Buccaneers history, which is 11 in 2003. Which is really good, seeing as the Buccaneers have one of the best defences of all time. Back then, yeah, yeah. But of course, they didn't have Shaq Barrett. Imagine Shaq Barrett on that team, man. <laughs> I mean, you probably have to drop someone like Hall of Famer Derek Brooks or something, but, you know... Shaq's well on his way to the Hall of Fame. Hey, Shaq, <laughs> give us a call. Um, Larry Fitzgerald now has a reception in 237 consecutive games. That's really good. That's a lot. Still the second longest to Jerry Rice, of course, who is up on 274. I feel that still a lot of wide receivers just forget he's there. It's kind of like the defensive tackles and pass mm. rushers with Darren Donald. Yeah, just, he's not there. He doesn't exist. I'm number one. <laughs> that's all there is. Well, you, you may as well look at it that way because Jerry Rice is just living on another planet. But yeah, Larry Fitz still keeping it going. So uh, Buccaneers win this one, thirty points to twenty-seven, and move up to three and six. And Cardinals drop to three, six, and one. Uh, the next one we talk about is probably well. I think it was certainly the biggest shock of the week and possibly the biggest shock of the season. And that was the Atlanta Falcons beating the New Orleans Saints 26-9. I don't think anyone really saw this one coming. No, but it does happen where if one team plays really crap and the other team plays quite adequately, mm-hmm. the other team will win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what happened here. <laughs> there are certain games He's I done didn't, it. didn't done really it, pay much attention to this weekend and... When I saw the score on this one, I was like, oh, that's interesting, and then carried on with my life. So the Saints, you were saying that Drew Brees not quite there this week? Just just, it's all short passes. He's not taking anything deep. And it's just like he did 
um, at the end of last season. He just his arm seemed to deteriorate, and um, I, I don't want to be uh, a bit of a, a doomsday salesman here, but um, like, could this be the beginning of the downfall for Drew Brees? Is he going to have to start changing the way he plays the game so much? that it ends up being to his detriment. You know, kind of like how what happened with Peyton Manning towards the end of his career when he couldn't throw it like further than 10, 15 yards. Um, I, I think that you're probably going to start seeing teams uh, give Breeze over the top in favour of taking away everything underneath. I I do wonder. It's like they were saying earlier that um, the thumb injury, it's difficult. It's a difficult injury. It's definitely changed his... Like the way he's playing, change the mechanics. Him. It'll feel different. It'll absolutely feel weaker. You know, he's come back really quickly, mm-hmm. and I feel like if he was twenty-seven and he had done this, he'd have been shut down. At thirty-eight, whatever he is now, he wants to play. Mm. He hasn't got much longer, so he's choosing to play. And Drew Brees is older than that, right? He's like 40 forty-nine. He's forty. Is he forty? Yeah. Yep. Be forty-one in January. Yeah, so it's that's tough. Mm. So I, I can see that being a factor, but it might also be the play calling um, a bit too conservative, a bit too mm. Kamara being. Yeah, like, Alvin Kamara wasn't great on his his return. Like he had a yeah. couple of decent runs, but he wasn't as electrifying as we've seen him. Um, credit where it's due, the Atlanta Falcons, who have been pretty garbage through the course of the season, especially on defense. They really, really showed up in this one. Grady Jarrett, in particular, was always in the backfield, uh, just really, really terrorizing Breeze. I think Breeze had the highest number of sacks uh, in a game in his career, with six. Um, certainly tied it. Um, yeah, it's just a just a mess, man. Yeah. Um, Michael Thomas was probably the he's, he's probably the only real weapon they've got at the moment. And Jar- Jared Cook returned from injury as well, but he didn't look great. Um, Tricon Smith had a, a one big catch over the middle, but other than that, like I say, most things are just going through Michael Thomas, who became uh, the fourth player in NFL history with four thousand yards receiving in his first four seasons, and this is only just after week ten. <laughs> so he bad. is a he is a big time producer. Uh, so he joins uh, uh, Mike Evans, AJ Green, and Hall of Famer Randy Moss as the only players in that club. I would just really like to give it up for um, Young Hoku, who, mm-hmm. kicker for the Atlanta Falcons, comes in, Bryant's injured. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, he was a high draft pick of the Chargers. Chargers kind of, he went through that kind of Chargers curse. Yeah, he, he missed two field goals in his very first game against the Broncos, which meant that the Broncos won. Uh, I remember that one very, very vividly. And they cut him, <laughs> and he went, I think he went near enough the whole Alliance season without mm-hmm. missing a field goal. Comes in here, four out of four in field goals, longest 48, two extra points. Good to see. Provides 14 of their 26 points. Really rocking that Michael Vick number seven as well. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting number to pick. Yeah, you've got to be, got be careful team, you know? at Atlanta. Um, but he's done enough to endear himself there in this one. Um, another stat for here was that the Falcons' defense, they had that six sacks. Uh, they had six sacks combined in the previous seven games. So, like, what was the problem with the Saints in this one? Like, is it just is it offensive line it's problems? Drew Brees is holding on to it too long. 
I think it just happens, and we have to also remember that maybe the Falcons have been a little bit underperforming, and they have a weapons, little bit, and they have players, <laughs> and if they can get things going, like who who's Brian Hill when he's at home? Yeah, like, just making little adjustments, and it seems to have caught the Saints by surprise. Mm. And, Devonta Freeman was running hard in this one before you got injured, and then the, the man you mentioned there, Brian Hill, came in and looked bang on average, really. Um, well, but they're really here. It looks like the Falcons have got out to quite a, a decent lead, mm-hmm. and they've just choked the game. Yep. Twenty nine, and then for the whole fourth quarter, they've just run the ball. No touchdowns for the Saints in this one. Yeah. I did not see that happening against this Falcons defense, but there you go. Like they just. Show up. It's, it's that whole um, moniker of like you know any given Sunday anything can happen, especially in a division game. It you just you, the the rule book gets thrown out, the form books gets thrown out, uh, the the twilight zone door is opened, and the Falcons win twenty six nine and move to two and seven against the now seven and two Saints. There are so many terrible teams. <laughs> there are many many terrible teams. <laughs> the NFL this year. Do you want to talk about another one? Ah, oh, go on then. All right then. The Indianapolis Colts. No, well, the, the Miami Dolphins are a real terrible team in this one. Um, but the Colts uh, end up losing to them. Uh, the Dolphins come out on top 16-12 to in a bit of a snooze fest. Um, just, uh, but I, I think um, we just have to give the Dolphins credit here. They're... They're getting wins. They've been competitive the last few weeks uh, in games that they probably didn't have much of a right to be competitive in here. They took advantage of an Indianapolis Colts team who has a second half of the season, Brian Hoyer. Like his, I've like heard about his stats. I went and had a look at it. His early season stats, whenever he's playing, are usually pretty good. But whenever it gets past the midway point in the season, he just falls off a cliff. Which, um, yeah, it just um, he was terrible in this one. Um, 18 of 39 for 204 yards, one touchdown and three picks. Um, they just really didn't get going in this one. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was all short stuff from him as well. Uh, Kalen Balazs was really ineffective. Um, but the game really hinged on uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's touchdown run. So the yeah. Indianapolis Colts just completely forgot that it was something that, uh, that Ryan Fitzpatrick was capable of doing, which I think is fair considering he's like 36. But he's he's still an athlete. You've got to account for him. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. The Dolphins are trying to tank while you'd pick up a player who has the potential to get you three or four wins <laughs> on his own. Um, like, like they keep saying, they're not trying to tank. But they're not trying to win. Like I, I, I don't know <laughs> what's like going to happen. The players are, of course, but mm. they're trying to stay in the in the league. I mean, they've got so many picks that they could trade up a bit if they wanted, if they really wanted to get to the number one spot, probably because they have like a million picks. I um, don't know if um, Tua Burrows or um, Herbert are really what. What they're wanting. What they need. No, I don't even not. know if Lawrence is. I just I don't know the. The problem is I'm not familiar with like the Marino Dolphins. I'm not. All I know is the Tannehill Dolphins and oh boy, the what, what an era! Dolphins <laughs> and to me, like Chad Pennington Dolphins was the last time they looked almost. Well, when I look at the Dolphins, I don't see like you look at the Browns and they got Baker. It's like oh, I can see that that might work. 
and you know when luck goes to the coach like oh, yeah, cops keeping it going Dolphins I'm like if they sign two I don't know if you know what I mean? I just there's, there's been a see... massive swing in what's happening with the college quarterbacks this year. Because previously, like for the last two years, it's been nailed on that oh, Tua is going to be the guy that you want. And then oh, and Tre- Trevor Lawrence is starting to show promise. He'll be the net one next year. And then um, like before that, there was also like Justin Herbert. Like oh well, if he declares, oh wait no, he's going back. It hurts his draft stock. Okay, he's going to go back again. Uh, to be fair, like Trevor Lawrence is still the youngest starting quarterback for winning quarterback for the best team yeah. in college football, mm-hmm. and they are still in the top four. It, they're in the college mm-hmm. playoffs at the moment. So Lawrence isn't—he's throwing more interceptions, but I also think because they don't have as strong a defense, they're having to play yeah. more, and that happens in college. And um, they also lost like Hunter Renfrew and yeah. half their wide receiver core. In, in the off season, so I would probably be Trevor looking Lawrence to stock up an still, offensive line or something in defense. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is still the the number one, I think, out of all of them. But Tua, Tua, we've got a shout out to LSU for winning against Alabama. But well done. Tua was really quite weak in mm-hmm. that game. His mm-hmm. ankle was clearly bothering him. That surgery he had to mm-hmm. fuse the bones closer together because they kept spraining. Mm-hmm. The muscles kept spraining. It's not injuries you want to be having as a 20-year-old. No, it's not ideal. So I wouldn't be... Two is probably dropping to the Lamar Jackson area of the draft instead oh, of interesting, being the interesting. top. Which means they could still pick him up, but it'll be with their Laramie Tunsil first round pick. Mm, mm. Not with their Minka Fitzpatrick or their own first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> they have so many first round picks. Like how whenever we get onto the Dolphins, we don't really talk about what happened in the game. We just talk about how their tanking is going. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you can talk about. <laughs> how is this project going? It's like, well, that's how Stephen Ross wants. It's, 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 it's going terribly because they're winning games. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I mean, I don't see it being... The, the issue is you can't control your own destiny if you're not number one overall. You can't trade down, you can't pick who you want. Mm. You have to trade up or you have to trade down and kind of hope that the other teams let you. Yeah. Because there could be other teams that go, I'm just not dealing with the Dolphins this stuff because I don't like how they tacked. Mm. To be fair, um, we need to talk about the other team in this, and that's the Colts. Um, Marlon Mack... Did what he could. Hoyer didn't do anything. They... Hoyer bad. They need Jacoby Brissett back ASAP. Uh, otherwise, they are going to let this division slip away from them. Because they are still within reach of the Texans. But for how long? Because of the London game and the bye, I feel like the Jags haven't played in like a month. It feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Who's that guy they've got back in the garden? Nick, garden, garden man. Nick Foles now. Oh yes, yes. Nick Nick Foles is back. <laughs> yes. Um, so so that, that division knife fight. It's gonna be. They're still in it. They've got a winning record. They still have to play everyone. I think the last game they've got is a Monday night one or a mm. Sunday night one against the um, Titans. Yeah, could be a, could be a potential uh, division decider there. Um, uh, the Los Angeles Rams are beaten by the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. 12 points to 17 as well. Yeah. Steelers' defense so, is good, man. They're so leading the league in sacks. Goff is yeah. terrible. Now, is it Goff that's terrible, or is he up against a really good defense in this particular week? <laughs> he's, off against, he's up against his own terrible offensive line, which is missing about four players. It's so strange, but just how badly they have changed from last season, where they were excellent. No, but they're missing their older boy that plays on the left tackle. Andrew Whitworth. Yep, and they're missing Noteboom. 
Yeah. And they traded for the Browns centre that's yeah. their, like backup that never played. So And Havenstein's been awful. It's just what's happening. Yeah. And Gurley's not the same and they haven't tried Henderson yet and Coop. Cooper they needed Cup to get didn't more get a reception in this game. Yeah, they needed to get more uh, game time to Dower Henderson. I really thought, but like Todd Gurley came out with this one with a decent stat line: twelve carries for seventy-three yards. But it's not um, in the right areas not, of the field. No, it's not. And um, when Jared Goff's throwing the ball away, so that's two picks in this one. Two hundred forty. Oh, to be fair, yards. one Just, of his picks was a strange. What, one it was yeah. like motion of the arm. Yeah. And then they didn't do that to Rudolph in the other side of the field. Rudolph did exactly the same thing, mm. but they called it uh, incomplete. Yeah, loads of controversy um, in this one, but Minkus Fitzpatrick, stupid, like a million tackles, five t- defensive touchdowns and like three interceptions since his trade. <laughs> People are really putting him into the Defensive Player of the Year chat here as well like it's um getting a bit extreme there's a lot of fumbles in this game as well um and Fitzpatrick recovered one of those uh as as well as got an interception on the board so he had another great game um it's um yeah that that team is just performing very very well TJ Watt had two sacks Cam Hayward got one um they were just all over Jared Goff in this one yeah there was um a couple of times you could see that the the wide receiver core for um, the Steelers is really young. Yep. Makes a few mistakes. Um, really relying on the Oklahoma mm-hmm. state connection between James Washington and Mason, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph which, yep. Came up big in this one. Which they need, which is not really something you want to be relying on mm. in the NFL, I don't think. When you're relying on James Washington, uh, it, that's a, a problem. Deontay Johnson had a, a, a good contribution in this one as well. Uh, he had a big play there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster not not really um, translating into the next Antonio Brown like they thought he would. Um, I, I was very skeptical about their like his ability to carry that that load and that weight on his shoulders, um, but it certainly hasn't helped that he's had Mason Rudolph, who was again bang average in this one, but he didn't lose them the game. Hmm. He didn't throw any picks or anything like that, so that that was good. <laughs> but going back More turnovers. To, going back to the Steelers, the defense, just, Joe, Joe Hayden, amazing in this game. Yeah. Hasn't probably his best game as a Steeler. We've got Trey Edmonds coming up strong, Cameron Hayward, Fitzpatrick. They're doing what they, they need to do. They're mm-hmm. um and I think if they if they go to Cleveland and win and they win a few games in their division and, and come away with a winning record I think Mike Tomlin's coach of the year I was just about to say Mike Tomlin for coach of the year at this point considering that they they lost their first three games didn't they mm. so that means that they are 5-1 and one since it's Mike Tomlin or Brian Flores I am I'm, <laughs> I am mimicking my mind blowing in this particular case it's that's incredible do you think they've done that with Mason Rudolph with the Steelers because they played teams that are good this season but weren't expected to be that good so they well they got humped by the Pats and yes. then they got beat by the 49ers mm-hmm. and then they got beat by the Ravens was it? Uh, but yes. they only got beat by the Ravens by like one point and now they're beating beating teams who were expected to be good and haven't been <laughs> yeah. such as the Rams yeah. and uh, you know Sean McVay like probably most people's head coach of the year last season has a really steep hill to climb here to, to get these guys out of this 
especially in that division with the Seahawks and the 49ers, that's a, that's a really tough hole to get out of. But it's not completely infeasible that you'd have two wild card teams from that same division. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> the um, the Rams are just poor. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Goff, highest paid quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Waste of money. But congratulations to the Steelers on that one. Really hard fought victory. Uh, speaking of hard fought victories, the Green Bay Packers held on at the death as uh, the Carolina Panthers uh, trips the length of the field. Steady now, they still had to convert the two point if they. Yeah, but they, it was it, there was up there, <laughs> so the Carolina Panthers trips the length of the field uh, and were stuffed at the one yard line. And some would say Christian McCaffrey was not stuffed. I thought he was in. I was jumping around because it was another six points for my fantasy team. He's on your fantasy team, but no. Uh, Carolina Panthers just fall to the Green Bay Packers 16-24. And uh, Aaron Jones was on fire in this one again in terms of getting in the end zone. Three touchdowns. And uh, I think he's on pace for something like 20 this season. Well, he was competing with silly. McCaffrey in this game for at which point who had more touchdowns this season. <laughs> so it was like... The back and forth. Yeah, Jones went in, got two to level... And then McCaffrey scored. Mm-hmm. And then Jones went and scored two more, I think. So we scored another one. So yeah. Jones is now ahead. Yeah. Um, in this game, like, what would you say was the, the big difference in this one? There was a few plays that the defence just got to Allen mm-hmm. um, and really really kind of stopped drives from materialising. They, they couldn't get McCaffrey on the ball because they seemed to always be in third and long. Um, and you're going up against Aaron Rodgers, and there was points in this game where he he just made it look easy. You're going up and, against Aaron Rodgers and the referees. There was a, a oh, roughing the passer call in the I think Packers that's end zone. It's always going to be called when you're against um, bullshit. Is what that was. I yeah, did not like that one at all. Rodgers been knocked out of three seasons as an ass last five by the guy. These kind of tackles. So. The, the defender couldn't have put him down any more gentle had he laid a pillow underneath him and tucked him in and kissed him goodnight. It was. It was. I, I did not like it at all. To be fair, Rogers has been the the first to come out when he's felt it's been a bit lenient. He he likes the challenge a bit like Andrew Luck like that, but mm-hmm. I think the like I get it when that, it's actually a foul, but in this particular case, I disagreed quite wholeheartedly. Yeah, I I feel it's the. Um, the refs know what's happened in the past with Rogers getting kind of crushed to the ground, and they're they're trying to protect. But that would have been a safety. Don't play the player, play the game. Was that a safety? Uh, no, he got it? he got the ball out. Yeah. So that's why it was um, still roughing the passer. Um, but yeah, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, Rogers was not fantastic in this game, but he still has a couple of flashes. I think that his stat line's a bit misleading in terms of the amount of yards because um, I think most of his 233 yards through the air came on a couple of big plays. The Carolina Panthers, for the most part, kept him really in check, uh, and it was only when the Packers got down to the goal line that uh, they just could not account for Aaron Jones, who found the holes, and if there wasn't holes there, he was making them for himself. Yeah, it's a shame with the the Panthers. They, They need to get... You know the Brian Burns back. Oh, well, they need to get the Brian Burns into the game. They seem to have much linebacker help on those runs. They didn't seem to have much of a goal line mm. defense, and going up against Aaron Jones, 
kind of have to. There's a couple of plays with Gerald McCoy just went absolutely oh, level boy. Rogers and Jamal Ooh. Williams. Jamal, Jamal Williams got introduced <laughs> to the, the hard end of a face mask uh, being stuffed pretty much as soon as he got the ball. Um, like, I, I think Gerald McCoy actually travelled back in time to hit him. <laughs> it, was, um, it was really, really tough. There's a few... I, I watched like films like um, Saving Private Ryan. You see like scenes like where the guy's like, "Oh, I'm a running back from Duke," and then gets shot because he's mm. like running the runner, running the messages. And you're like, "How can people just blindly follow orders like this?" And how? And then you look at that play with Jamal Williams, <laughs> and it's been called. It's you know half back dive left out of the eye formation, and he literally. He would have known before he got that ball that he was about to get smashed. It was just his job to hold on to the ball (laughs) for dear life and kiss his jaw goodbye. Just going to scream like, like, PA, PA, play action, keep it, No, don't don't give it to me. He was still going to get cracked regardless. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like some of these players sometimes just run blindly into three or four guys. Yeah, just like, well, I think... Imagine if it was one of us. Aaron Rodgers turns to us, take the hand off. Like, no! <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is on you, Aaron. Similar <laughs> um, to the Browns in that Patriots game. It's like, no, you have it. Just <laughs> out the way. Now, the, the, the Packers did manage to hold on in this one. Um, but their, their, their defense hasn't been as good for the second half of these uh, these 10 games as they were in the first half, the first five games. Um, Preston Smith uh, put up his 10th sack of the season though which is really really big for him it's career high already Um, they're they're just not doing enough on on the outside to to hold people like like Kyle Allen was over 300 yards in this one and he looked like he would probably be pretty good value for for some more Christian McCaffrey got over 100 yards on the ground Um, and it's just it's, it's piling up but in this game, they managed to just stop them when it really mattered down in the red zone. Yeah. Um, you have to remember that the Packers play in the NFC. And the NFC's been pretty hard this year compared mm-hmm. to the AFC. The AFC's had a few gimmies. But Packers 8-2, and two, I think they'll be delighted. Because, oh, to hell be honest, yeah. they've been out of it. Last season, they were out of it by now. So, this is, to me, the Packers are the team you do not want to play in the playoffs. You oh, really do not want to play the Packers in the playoffs. They're, they're, they're scary enough, but I, I definitely see weaknesses in this team. Um, their, their wide receivers have been a little bit iffy of late. Uh, Devontae Adams returned in this one, and he was spectacular. That's going to make a difference. You have to remember that he's been out for like four weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, aside from him, they're like probably next best wide receiver has probably been someone like Jake Kumaro. Um, that's maybe like you know a little bit of a slight on uh, someone like uh, Alan Lazard who's been involved a lot as well but you know credit where it's due and uh, Jimmy Graham had a couple of catches in this one as well so lots of stories and commentary them. about how Lazard is the new JJ Nelson <laughs> uh, Jordy Nelson you mean. Jordy. yeah yeah cool about how he's best friends with Rogers and if you want to keep getting game checks, that's a good way to... That's a, yeah, it's a good way to go. Good way go, go be Rogers' best friend. And I, I'm pretty sure Rogers signs them himself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's pretty much the he GM. He is GM now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be. 
Um, and yeah, I heard something similar about uh, Jake Kumaro from last season before he got injured as well. Is like Rogers really likes him, and Rogers has been talking up the likes of Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro, saying these guys are going to get the ball more, which um, probably means that the likes of Jerome and Allison might start moving a little bit down the down the pecking order there. But I guess that's that's a good sign. Like he's he's getting more faith in these guys. He wants to get them the ball. And um, it's happening at the right time of year for me to want to watch games at Lambeau Field because snow game! <laughs> the, um, what I found interesting was that, I think we spoke about in the preseason, but uh, Kevin Clark from Bringer was saying that he sat down with Rodgers after Rodgers had that game or that practice where he did four interceptions in a row and then Garoppolo did five in a row. And yeah. Of, it's like, oh, which one of them is like, not going to play well this season. It's like, and he sat down with Kevin Clark and he's like, what people don't realize about that kind of stat is yes, I threw four interceptions in like an hour at practice, but he was testing his wide receivers. Yeah. He was pitching the balls into two man coverage and mm-hmm. seeing which of his tight ends and which of his receivers could go up and get it. Yeah. I said that and about who uh, Patrick Mahomes in like before his first big season of action. It's like, no, that's a, that's a good sign. He's choosing to play to the covered guy and see who can make plays. And yeah. I think we're now getting to the point where the Packers can, with Devonnie Adams back, they've actually they've done well to keep it going. They've now got this record that gives them a bit of leeway because their mm-hmm. division it's just if they beat the Vikings. Yeah, well, like at the moment they are still uh, one game ahead of the Vikings um, and because of the next game that we'll talk about. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the. It's still, still tough though. They're not out of the woods yet, but if they do beat the Vikings, like you say, uh, get that first round by. But yeah, I'll be working that way. Um, so yeah, like I say, the Packers won this one. And to round things off, we will go down to Big D and the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And this was a good game. Uh, finished off with the Vikings managing to hold on for 28 um, 24 to. I won't say surprise Dallas, but um, it was. I think this was a battle of teams that people are like, oh, they can't win big games in prime time. So, you know. Someone was going to win. It's the unstoppable force versus the immovable object, uh, or the unwinnable force versus the team that also doesn't want to win. Um, But uh, Kirk Cousins came up big in this one. Um, Yeah, didn't mean to. He went to throw the ball away and (laughs) caught it. Damn it, Kyle! I was trying to suck. <laughs> Kyle Rudolph looked delighted, by the way. It's his 30th birthday and he got two touchdowns. And he was Aww. like dancing away on the sideline. Happy birthday, Kyle! The, like, um, like shortly after you thought that your career in Minnesota was over because they started drafting likes of Herb Smith uh, and uh, BC Johnson's there as well. I think it's taken him, it's taken him, what, 10 games, 10 weeks to show he's fit because he hasn't been playing a lot. And yeah. He played most of this game even though Herb Smith was available. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That might also be the what the experience, you know, going out to to Jerry World and mm-hmm. trying to get a win. One thing I found really interesting about this game was just the attitude of the Vikings. Mm. It's a bit of jawing. Um, one of the sideline reporters went up to Dalvin Cook before the game and was like, "Are you excited to see Zeke in action?" And Dalvin Cook was like, "No, Zeke should be excited to see me." In oh, yeah, like that. <laughs> and people forget that Darwin Cook was the best player in the ACC for like four years mm-hmm. when he was at Florida State and he pretty much won them 
one of the change, one of Jameis's ones was because of him. He was, and he was probably team, the, his best player in this game yeah, as well. And he was team captain for like two years at Florida State. He's a winner. He got injured. He's been injured the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. He's come in. He's fully fit. And the Vikings just have that kind of swagger about them that they've not really had before. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, it's because of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, like you can you can win games if you can hand it to Dalvin Cook. And they did. Uh, 26 carries in this one. Uh, it was only for 97 yards and a touch, but where he really started to make the difference was in the receiving area, uh, where he got seven receptions for 86 yards. Um, and he really just helped them grind this team down. Um, like Dak Prescott had a pretty good game on, on his side of the ball, but when this is a team which is essentially centred around Ezekiel Elliott whenever he's available... Mm-hmm. Um, he did not have a great game. It no, was, they, they um, needed to change the plays up. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak, on the other hand, Dakota, good. Oh, Dakota, you were having. He was on the game, Oof. and they kept going to the run in the red zone. Very similar to the Browns. Like, well, why, why take it out your quarterback's hands in that like short space? Like, you, he's on fire. Why don't you throw him the ball? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you throw the ball? And they were like that right at the end. They didn't. They ran it. And then they tried to get Zeke on a on an outplay. That... They they put a lot of faith in in Zeke towards the end of that game, thinking that that was what they were, you know, going to. But Hunter gonna, gonna and win. Hunter and Harrison and that were not not having it. Not having it. Not, not just... a bar of it. Not a bar <laughs> of it. Um, like Dak, I, I felt sorry for him in this game because he he was really doing an excellent job of getting the ball to his playmakers. Amari Cooper had 11 receptions. Randall Cobb had six. Michael Gallup had four. And that's for 147, 106, and 76, respectively. And each of them got a score. Um, it, it was it, really looking sharp in this one. Um, whereas, like I say, Zeke didn't. And on the other, other side of the ball, it just seemed more consistent and methodical. And Alexander Matt- Madison spelled for Dalvin Cook really well. That's a good combination, Ham, Madison, and Cook. That's mm-hmm. a great, that's a great ball, you got ballpark. A, you go. You got to cook your Madison's ham. Madison's was like a, a type of smoked sausage, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, a that's a hot week, take sure. right there. <laughs> see you I'm next so week. glad we're finishing this. I am so hungry. Uh, I have not had much to eat today, uh, and I have probably well, had more beer than I should. One thing I find really interesting is now that. So we got the Vikings, Cowboys five and four, mm-hmm. and Minnesota at seven and three. Now Minnesota have one more year of Kirk Cousins on thirty one million. They can then yeah. franchise tag him. <laughs> he would love that. I'm sure he'd be delighted. I'm <laughs> guaranteed for probably about 20, 27, 28. Because mm-hmm. the average is going to be pulled way out because a lot of quarterbacks aren't getting paid a lot right now. Yeah. Um, and guess who they're going to be able to pay. Because they've got the... Because you know how much quarterbacks they're going for now. Everyone was saying, that, like oh, don't, don't give Kirk Cousins a guaranteed contract. It's too much. 80 million guaranteed. It's been like a bargain now. Yeah, next year he's on like 25. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have Dak who's going to be on like 36. And Jared Goff is on like 37. <laughs> and then the Vikings are going to be sitting with Kirk Cousins on 25. They'll be able to pay Dalvin Cook. And they might be able to bring in a few more offensive linemen, weapons. Mm-hmm. They'll also get Bradbury back, who we never even got to. Is it Bradbury? Yeah, yeah. they're linemen. Linemen, yeah. Mm-hmm. He got injured in the first game. Yeah. What happened to Dalton Reisner? 
Did he get injured as well? No, he's still playing. He's, he's been playing. one of the Broncos' better better linemen this season, actually. Yeah. Um, I just feel like all the linemen that got drafted that we talked about have been injured. <laughs> yeah. Lindstrom, no, Lindstrom's at the Vikings. Bradbury's at the Falcons. Is that the order it is? Okay, yeah, both cool. of them are injured. Yes, okay. Shame. Or Lindstrom's at the Falcons. Could Google it. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't bother Googling linemen at the very end of a, a game here. Um, the Dallas Cowboys defense has been a bit of a disappointment this year, I would say. Um, I think considering the high expectations we had for them, you've not really heard that much about the likes of Leighton Van Der Esch um, like, like being a big difference maker here. Van Der Esch has had a few neck problems this season. so Ah, the next Sean Lee. Yeah, I don't think he's had um, as many games. That's why he wears the big brace. Mm. He's always had neck problems. That's why he dropped yeah. in the draft. Jalen Smith played okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's Bradbury that plays for the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I think, was it in this one? Yeah, I think in this one, Robert Quinn uh, got himself a big payday because uh, he went over, what is it, over six sacks, I think, uh, which meant that he got an $800,000 bonus. So if, um, if there is anyone out there who would like to invest some of that money in a, in a podcast or something, then hit us up, Robert. As a financial advisor, I wouldn't recommend that. Dad, shut up, Darren! <laughs> Damn it! Honestly, this is why we never get sponsors. <laughs> we also never ask, but that's different. Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm waiting for that, uh, like, this uh, little company called Cowrie Financial to start making more money, and then they're just going to start pumping loads of cash into this one. Um, we but, get more Wellington-based listeners than I might think about it. Our listeners are over the world. We, we will see. Well, yeah, once you expand, not well. Well, I don't know how <laughs> that works. Really working his own. Okay. Well, <laughs> however that works, like you'll be a you'll be a, a bank. I don't know how money works. Okay. I give you I give you some monies and you give me more monies back. That's how it is, right? Darren's nodding. Yes, perfect. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Um, uh, do you have anything else to put into that one? Um, no, I think people should go and watch it. It was a really good game. Yeah. It's kind of a hard to explain game. The Amari Cooper was lights out. Um, watch this toe, game and watch tapping. the Seahawks and San Francisco game. Just the toe tapping. Oh, there's some beautiful catches this week as well. Cousins didn't really make any mistakes. And I think the Vikings just have a all-around better team this year than the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Or a more confident team. And they won by four points, which is probably yeah. about right. I think Dallas has a has a really good roster. We shouldn't be totally worried about them, but this one was uh, a little, maybe a little bit concerning in some some aspects. But um, yeah, being down at five and four, getting to get themselves in a bit of a hole, but at least they're in a division where they can recover. So uh, at the end of that one, uh, we will have to finish up. First of all, before we do... We would like to congratulate the Hot Valley Spartans on their first, uh, sorry, on winning their first game of the is it the AFW? Yeah, the, the AFW, the American Football Wellington League, uh, where they overcame the Wellington Wolves thirty-two-six. Uh, I did try to commiserate with the Wolves on Facebook, but we could not tag them in it, sadly. So, if there's anyone from the Wolves out there, uh, keep your heads up, keep at it. And uh, congratulations to the Hot Valley Spartans, and namely a uh, friend of the show, Tam Tika, who was playing, uh, I believe he's playing long snapper and nose tackle on special teams, which is a lot of things. A, a, hard, uh, a hard slog in that one as well. So, yep, congratulations to them. We're going to try and come along and see you guys at a couple of games, and um, we look forward to that very much so.
Yes, I'm. It was a bit rainy on Saturday. <laughs> and it was rainy, and um, and some people weren't feeling so well <laughs> after after a bit of a big night. So um, that that person and I uh, went and got some uh, some afternoon breakfast instead. Yes, it was. Um, it was re- required. Yeah, like, ne- needed beans though. Yeah. Does anyone who works at the Bristol Hotel on Cuba Street in Wellington get some beans in your breakfast? Yeah. How much does it cost? Come on. Anyway, uh, we've definitely run over time. Uh, you want to do it in an hour. It's been like an hour 36. I'm sorry. Uh, most of that was um, spent Googling linemen <laughs> and uh, trying to figure out who Grand, the brand safety the was. <laughs> so, Demarius um, Randall for yeah, the win. We got Demarius Randall in the end. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, live tweeting of the... Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game on Friday afternoon. Okay, so keep an eye out our Twitter account for that one then. I really haven't done enough with that. No. It exists. We've been busy. We we got the handle and we've got some followers. We also have a couple of pods retweeting, automatically retweeting when we go live. Oh, okay. Which just seems to be the way everyone kind of... It seems like a really nice Twitter-verse, all the podcasts together. I don't know how Twitter works, but okay, cool. I like it. Good. I think. Do I like that? Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's yes. At Forever Football. Yes. If anyone wants to follow, I think the last time I tweeted was about three weeks ago. No, no, don't don't give them the option. <laughs> you have to follow. Follow it. All of you follow it. Right now, get on there. And if you haven't, if for whatever reason you haven't liked the page uh, on Facebook, which would be really weird because how else are you going to know about this? Then um, by subscribing why not? to get the on, pods. Get onto it. Just do, do subscribe to all of our stuff. And uh, by obviously, feel free to hit us up as well on. Uh, Fourth and forever football at gmail.com. Yes. That's what we need. Sounds feedback, good. feedback. Right, okay. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, you shall, like, thank you very much for joining us, guys. And uh, hopefully, we shall see you after week 11. Sounds good. Cool. Bye. Bye. Fist bump. Wait, can we do that for the capture? How hard do we have to fist bump? Oh, clicky. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>